the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Wow, what a two days on Wall Street. Let me spoil the party. I'm probably not going to say, wow, what three great days we had on Wall Street. Wow, what two great days we had on Wall Street. NASDAQ was up 3.3% yesterday. The S&P 500 up 3%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 2.8%. The 10-year Treasury, it's it's struggling, which is interesting because earlier in the week, above 4%. Today, it's at 36 That's an area where you have to start looking at bonds. 4%, you have to. Not you. A lot of the wealth in the world. If I was 20, 25, 30, 35, would I still be long stocks? Yeah. Um, that's where my new money would be going to. If I was 55, 60, 65, 70, would I be looking at CDs and bonds? Yeah. That might be where my, that might be if I need income where my new money is going to be going. Looks like Wall Street isn't bullish today, though. It's worthy of note. Musk played reverse yesterday. The Uno reverse card, where he wanted to buy it. Then he said, I don't want to buy it. And then he said, yep, pull out the old Uno reverse card. After months of trying to wriggle out of his original deal, Musk has once again proposed buying Twitter at $54.20 a share. The price he agreed to back in April. Wow, that was April. Shows you how long this has been dragging on and how tough that must be to work at Tesla and at Twitter, not knowing what direction your company is going to be going in the future. Interesting, right? The whole Musk versus Twitter trial was set for October 17. It shouldn't happen, although a lot of talk yesterday on the financial media was that, well, maybe he's just trying to get Twitter to stupidly pull up, drop the lawsuit, and then he's going to say, ah, ha, 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 ha. I'm still going forward with not buying you. What? No, what? Um, The SAG is never quite what you think it's going to be with Elon Musk, is it? The epic story is... You know, he's going he's gonna to shut down Twitter. He's going to turn on advertising. He was going to save Twitter. He's going to stop the bots. I guess there are all things he could still do, but the saga is never over. I don't like drama. I do not like drama. Um, Inflation is up. Interest rates are rising. So is anxiety. It's really a good idea to get a one-on-one meeting with a certified financial planner sooner rather than later if you're in retirement. Europe's bringing the thunder to Apple's lightning. iPhones will have to use a USB-C connector in the United uh, European Union in 2024. So do you think they're going to make phones just for USB-C 
in Europe and then Lightning phones for the US. Huh. Didn't stop and think about that, did we? The European Union wants to reduce e-waste and also stop on the gouging of accessories. Interesting, right? So the green world order won the USB-C battle yesterday. Aaron Judge hit his 60-second home run of the season last night, breaking Roger Maris's record, single-season home run record in the American League. It's interesting because um, clearly Bonds and McGuire and Sosa had more home runs. Two of the three have basically been dead caught to rights with steroids. The third is, well, anyway, uh, Judge was quite the performance. And it's interesting. He turned down a massive contract at the start of the year, $213 million. Then he goes out and he's, he basically carries the Yankees on his backs to play off. Then he goes out and breaks the single season home run record. That is called betting on yourself and winning. Um, I'm stunned we're a month away from midterm elections. I think that's going to become a little bit more of a story. And here's how it's going to go. Once we get the midterm elections over, the market rallies. That could be. No, 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 wait. I want to say this very, very, very. That could be. You're with me against me. Um, Spirit Halloween is having a trouble finding storefronts this year. U.S. retail vacancies hit their lowest level in 15 years. I know. Wouldn't you think it's the other way around? Um, but it's that time of the year where we're starting to think about Halloween costumes. Loretta Lynn died at age 90 yesterday. That's a good long life. The only thing I could say there is I don't know enough about her career. I probably should. And 90 years old, when do you think you're going to die? She died. You're going to die, right? We're all going to die. So you have a financial plan of where, you, how long your money lasts. You just don't even know it yet, right? Get on that. Micron said yesterday that they're going to invest $100 billion in the next two decades in a chip factory complex in upstate New York. Interesting that they said $100 billion. That's a lot of money. Stop and think about that for a second. That is a lot of money. One more time. Micron's going to invest $100 well, Now, they said that. Do they actually do that? They don't have to. There's no law saying, well, you said you were going to do it. Therefore, you have to do it. That's worthy of note. Taking a look at today, rebound enthusiasm has cooled down. Uh, we have a couple things coming up. We got midterm elections, which could help mark an end to the bear market. We have uh, just some certainty. We also have the jobs report on Friday. Look at the calendar. Today's Wednesday. Major indices have risen five point five percent and six point nine percent. The market's mood shifted seemingly from thinking that everything is bad, where we hit a new low on Friday, to having two massive up days in October at the end after the end of September. There's a, it's almost too mm, scripted. It's almost too easy to predict that this is going to happen. 
So the stock market itself is trying to tell the Fed, hey, you need to soon pivot to a less aggressive stance. And the market starts to rally. It's not going to be self-fulfilling, though. We need to see jobs. We need to see people get fired. That's starting to happen. We need to see inflation numbers drop. Maybe that's the proof in the pudding. We need these elections over. And then the market can put it at its bottom. So technically speaking, I don't. I, I think we still need to hit another low. Will it happen? I don't know. I've never called a technical bottom. Oil prices are still simmering. The OPEC, OPEC Plus, for some reason I don't like the whole plus. It just used to be OPEC. The Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, they agreed to cut production anywhere from 500,000 barrels a day to 2 million. And I go, is that the really, are those our allies? The world's about to hit a, a worldwide recession. And they're saying, well, we don't need as much oil out of the ground as we used to. I get it. They don't want to flood it. I get it. They don't want to see $50 barrel. It just feels like you're sticking it to the system. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. One of the weirder financial headlines that I found earlier this week was chocolate bunnies sold by Lytle must be destroyed. <clears throat> what? We're, we're killing good chocolate bunnies now? The end is near for chocolate bunnies sold at German grocery store Lidl. Due to a trademark violation, um, a grocery store crossed the line. The second dates back to 2018 when Swiss chocolatier Lint filed with a commercial court and said Lidl copied its popular golden wrapped chocolate bunny candies. One of the reasons we will do well in the next 10 years, if you're worried about the future of investing, are copyrights. Uh, it's the commitment to intellectual property. It's the commitment to education. Capitalism will find a way. I know at times it doesn't feel like that, but we're okay. Now let's talk about Elon Musk. Yesterday was one weird day. We all scratched our, our heads who work on Wall Street, who work in finance, who try to get people to retirement. We all scratched our heads when we saw a two-day rally appear out of nowhere. Friday, we saw a pullback and hit some new lows. Essentially, in the last couple of weeks, We've seen the Dow enter the bear market, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ already had, and then the Dow entered, and they're like, okay, this makes sense. But leave no rock unturned, you know? This this makes sense. I get it. Now, resting the bottom is very normal. It happens. A 20.0% bear market very rarely ends at 20.0. The NASDAQ's already hit. 30, the SP 500 sit 25% pullback. Where should it ultimately fall is a good question. If you have a big recession looming and the recession comes, it's about 30, 35% is where the bear market typically levels out. So yesterday, I, I, I want to say false promise. I don't know. That's not quite right. 
It was just a very weird day to see the market rally. Because it doesn't make sense yet. We haven't seen the jobs numbers explode higher. We haven't seen a real reason for the Fed to pivot, and yet we're betting the Fed will pivot. It's almost as if the stock market got really dressed up for a sexy date night with her husband, and the husband comes home and falls asleep. The market tried yesterday to get the Federal Reserve's attention and failed. Now, Elon Musk revived his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter. It sparked a lot of conversation yesterday. It was funny how people were falling over each other to try to break the news. Um, and how to you know put the semantics in. Well, he had to do it. He, did, did he really revive it because he wants it? Or did he ha- have to do it? I don't care. It, it looked like it was he was going to have to do it, so he did it. Uh, or he was going to have to pay Twitter like $10 billion to walk away for breaking the deal. The court wasn't going to take too kindly that he agreed to do it and then said, nope. And he says bots, but one of the reasons he bought the company was he said, I could kill the bots. It really wasn't lining up for a good court day in court for Elon, which is interesting because I just think he looks a little foolish here. But wouldn't it be nice to have a have a $44 billion mistake and still be the richest man on the planet? Must tweet it that buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. He did not give a lot of extra details on this statement yesterday. Musk may be hinting towards the so-called super app, which are popular in China and other parts of Asia. They're pioneered by the likes of Chinese technology giant Tencent. Chinese app WeChat, run by Tencent, is the biggest super app in the world. If you want to see what Twitter's probably going to look like, Musk isn't going to be a genius here. He's going to go copy WeChat. Musk has previously said he really liked the app WeChat. He thinks there's an opportunity to create an app like that outside of China. So super apps are popular in Asia. It's a term to describe an app that often acts like a one-stop shop. Very vertical in solving your mobile needs. You might order a taxi or food via the app and at the same time do your payment and your messaging. This eliminates the need to have multiple apps for different functions. If Elon Musk goes through with Twitter, will he add something like uh, Uber or Lyft on top of it? And then something like a Ticketmaster folded into it. In WeChat, users can message people, do mobile banking, pay for things online, or in a store just by scanning a barcode. They could play games, they could post videos, they could do online shopping, they could hail a car, many, many, many more things. Will Tesla somehow in like two or three years from now come out and say, we're going to fold Tesla's um, onboard communications into into Twitter? It's a trap. I think you're going to see it. And I, I'm okay with it. I don't think it's a trap. I think my board op's a little naive here. I think if... Elon Musk wants to throw money at it. He's just going to copy. It's like Zuckerberg. He didn't invent Facebook, but let's just say for the the sake of the argument, he invented Facebook. And he saw Snap and he's like, ooh, I like what they're doing over there. 
And he hasn't really done any original product since the original product that he stole in college. But Musk, I think, could start buying some components and compete very nicely if he has a commitment. But then you go, okay, wait, wait, wait. He's got that boring company. He's going to put big holes on the ground, send transport tubes back and forth with vacuum-like technology. Sounds great, but that's a job. He's got SpaceX where he truly, truly was a genius and hired the right people to figure out how to engineer a space rocket landing on a platform so that it's reusable, thus making cheap, uh, thus making space a lot cheaper to explore, to expand our humanity. Um, then you get the car company. He didn't start Tesla, um, <clears throat> but he did do PayPal. <clears throat> So he's been involved in some, a lot of innovation, a lot of copying of innovation. And I think that's what we could really, really expect Twitter to become. So you basically live on WeChat in China because it's so useful and so hopeful to the daily life of the average person. And he said, quote, I think if we could achieve that or even close to that with Twitter, it would be an immense success. Twitter is this weird internet property that has a great address. It's a really cool place to go, but they've never been able to monetize it and make money with it. Can he do it? We'll see. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Whatever it takes to get you to retirement, that's the goal. A lot of focus is on the daily activity of the stock market, even though... I'm not really a daily activity watcher of the stock market. I do it only because I have to. Let's talk daily activity of the stock market and what's been happening last week with Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com. There is a lot of content that briefing.com throws out there on domestic and international economic affairs. It's a great website to start your day with. I start mine with Patrick O'Hare and his page one column. Patrick, how are you today? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Thanks. Good to be back with you. What do you think about last week on the stock market? We went from Friday's lows of, up. Oh, uh, we've broken the lows. We're going lower, lower, lower. The tweets started coming to me. My friends started panicking. What should I do now? And then two days of glorious rally. Then comes Wednesday and Patrick O'Hare has to talk about it. What's up, Patrick? Right. Right. Well, I guess those tweets were your cue to buy, buy the market, you know, if, uh, you know, basically get signs of panic or people are really, you know, uh, spooked by what's going on in the market. It becomes a bit of a contrarian uh, indicator. Uh, but that point aside, there were some uh, other true market indicators that were suggesting that the, the deck was stacked for a nice contrarian rally. We've seen that in the extremely uh, bearish sentiment readings from the American Association of Individual Investors and in the Investors Intelligence Reports. Um, there was uh, an indication that the uh, uh, the net short index futures positions were at a record level last week. Uh, a lot of buying of puts to protect against uh, further downside. And so you had kind of this confluence of negativity really come to a head. And, and we saw the S&P 500 hit a, a new low for the year on Friday. And then lo and behold, two days later, we're up 6% and everyone's feeling good again. Um, but that really, I think what we've seen over the last two days is really a case of 
what we've termed to be offside positioning, as well as this speculation that, you know, the Fed might be inclined to uh, pivot or, or at least shift to a, a less aggressive policy stance sometime soon. Uh, kind of take an exception to that speculation, but that nonetheless was a real driver here over the past few sessions. Interesting times. Um, Fed pivot. I talked a little bit about it today where I said maybe it's Friday's jobs report. Maybe it's the next CPI number. Maybe the consumer price index number. Maybe it's the holiday shopping season numbers are down. Maybe it's a big uh, company failing. Is that kind of what we're looking for? A, a sign that the Fed should pivot or should we wait to actually hear it from the horse's mouth, the Federal Reserve saying we're pivoting? Um, yeah, it's, it, it's what the stock market is certainly looking for and, and okay. hoping for. Uh, we don't think that the Fed itself is you know, at that same place yet. I mean, you know, we, we, we can pinpoint this employment report coming in a few days from now as maybe one of those indicators that would make the stock market think the Fed is about to pivot or at least, you know, maybe get less aggressive with its rate hikes. Uh, but more recently, I mean, Cleveland Fed President Mester, for one, who is an FOMC voter this year, was yep. talking about the need to see, you know, at least, you know, three monthly uh, uh, consecutive reports of, you know, showing a, a, a weakening in the inflation trend. And we don't even have one yet, you know, if you really look at it. I mean, if we go back to that August CPI report reported on September 13th, core CPI went up versus July. And, and the same case was seen in in the PCE price index, but specifically the core PCE price index. It did not go down. It went up. So, you know, by that measure, we might be saying that, yeah, this one data point coming soon might make the market feel good, but the Fed won't be convinced necessarily until it sees maybe two, three, four more reports in the coming months that really solidifies, you know, an improving trend that they want to see on both the labor front and the inflation front. So, um, so I do think that this Fed is really now kind of woken up to the idea that they erred in keeping rates as low as they did for as long as they did and continuing to buy mortgage-backed securities for as long as they did. And I think they really want to put this genie back in the bottle and uh, and are going to take a hard, hard-nosed uh, stance here to, you know, to break this cycle of, of moral hazard that it created itself by constantly coming to the rescue of the stock market when things, you know, went badly. Um, it really needs to get inflation under control. And uh, and I think Fed Chair Powell is also well aware of uh, some legacy issues that he doesn't want to go down as the worst chairman in, in history and wants to make sure that his record shows that uh, while inflation got out of hand on his watch, he also took the steps necessary to get it back in control. And he can also focus on, I got us through the pandemic. I mean, there's, it's funny writing your legacy um, in real time. Now, you, you talked a little bit about the jobs market, and there's a big number coming out on Friday, the first Friday of every month. Briefing does a great job of covering that. But I, I am seeing companies like Amazon and Meta really send clear signals to the market that we're not hiring. We're, we're probably firing intent. Um, we're telling our managers to go out and find the weakest links and tell them to find other jobs or they will be cut. Do we have to wait for the unemployment number to hit the print on the first Friday of the month and see unemployment go to 6% for the, the bear market to die? Do we have to wait for it? Or it, I guess the anticipation is getting ahead of myself, isn't it? 
Well, no, I mean, that is the disconnect right now, Rob, is because you know, the market, the stock market is a forward-looking indicator. And lo and behold, you have the Fed looking at a backward-looking, a trailing, a lagging indicator, right, okay. in terms of employment as, as kind of a benchmark for what it wants to do, you know, with its policy position. And that's, I think, why you get this extreme volatility and why you see these extreme moves both to the upside and the downside. Uh, and you're absolutely right. You know, there's plenty, there's a growing amount of anecdotal reports right. that, you know, suggest that companies are getting, um, you know, are starting to pare back hiring plans, putting freezes on plans, even cutting positions. However, the leading indicator of initial jobless claims does not suggest that there's been a significant loosening in the labor market yet. Um, you know, we can point to that JOLTS report yesterday as, you know, one of the largest month-over-month drops on record, but you still have 10 million-plus job openings, um, you know, which is significantly higher than the amount of unemployed people currently registered, uh, you know, per the BLS's uh, record-keeping. And so, um so we're not there yet, I don't think, in terms of uh, of the Fed itself being convinced that it's at that point where it can kind of, uh, you know, talk a little less tough, if you will. Um, but we've got some indicators coming up. We also have the CPI report for September next week. And if we get a nice, softer, you know, employment number this week, followed by a softer CPI number next week, um, then the chatter is going to pick up and the market, I think, itself is going to start trying to force the Fed's hand into believing it needs to uh, take a step down uh, with its uh, aggressive rate hikes. And that could be meaning, you know, you go to 50 basis points instead of 75 or maybe even on the margin, a 25 basis point hike versus a 50 basis point hike. But the Fed's not done raising rates yet regardless. You've been spot on in the last six months about needing to see earnings estimates come down, and they have come down. We're moving into earnings season. The fourth quarter just started on October 1st. Third quarter ended, so we got about 30 days, and we should start seeing the numbers change um, in earnings and what you know how the dollar is hitting corporations. What are you expecting out of earnings season? Yeah, well, I think it's fair to say that the bar has been lowered a pretty good okay. amount for the for the third quarter earnings reporting period. According to facts, that analysts are looking for about 2.9% year-over-year growth versus uh, somewhere closer to 9% when the when the quarter started, right? So there has been a significant cut to earnings estimates. I think what's still missing though here is is the cut to to forward estimates, right? Not just Q4, but really calendar 2023. Um, the lag effect of the Fed's rate hikes uh, uh, this year, as well as rate hikes from other central banks around the globe, are are going to be should be more pronounced in coming months. And we're still looking, according to FactSet, at eight percent year-over-year earnings growth in calendar 2023. We just think that that's still too high, and that's what needs to come down. And we do think that in this third quarter earnings reporting period, you are going to hear more companies sound a cautious note uh, with respect to the uh, outlook for the fourth quarter and into next year, uh, as they, like you have referenced here, also draw attention to a number of anecdotal signs that suggest the uh, consumer should be slowing uh, their spending, and therefore you're likely to see a, a slowdown in business spending as well. So we're not expecting a great guidance period out of this reporting season, but we do think that the actual reporting period for the third quarter 
could end up being uh, a little bit better than expected because of how far those uh, rates, the estimates have been cut for the third quarter. We've got less than a minute. Is there anything that you want to add? Well, um, you know, I think that, you know, what we're trying to get our mind around is like, when will the Fed, you know, pivot, if you will. And uh, we do think that the market has been really premature in the last few days here to think that there is going to be a, a, um, a friendly sign from the Fed here in the next, uh, you know, a few weeks or so. Um, you know, we have oil prices moving up again. That's not great for inflation. It's not great for consumer spending. Um, we saw stocks rally, obviously, just on the idea that the Fed could pivot. That's not what the Fed wants to see, you know, right now, frankly. So I think we might have to digest a little bit more of a, a tougher Fed here in coming weeks, uh, which will then lead to continued volatility for the stock market in the near term. Thanks very much. It's the one, the only Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. He's an amazing perspective on the markets. I start my day every morning with page one, end it with a big picture on Fridays. You can find his work at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. I'll bring on CFP Chad Burton from EP Wealth soon to talk about market rallies in a bear market tied towards staying involved in the stock market when you know that a recession's coming. Is that like staying in your home when you know a hurricane's coming? It's nothing like that. I had a friend yesterday who texted me. Not yesterday, two days ago. And he does, it's the most annoying thing, but I kind of, it'll be kind of telling for you. He gets 401k return down 15.8%. That was on September 7th. That is year to date. And I said, do you need a tissue? First down nine months in 11 years on Wall Street. And uh, this is just a texting healthy relationship. Then on Monday morning, he goes, I think I need that tissue. Year to date, 401k down 22.4%. So I responded on Wednesday, when did you retire? He's not retired. And I know that. He goes, nope, I'm still working, silly. And I responded with, why are you worried you're down? You're still working. Have you learned nothing from me? Paper loss for now. You're buying more lower. That's a better opportunity than last year, buying less higher. When ready to retire, have three years of income before you retire, fool. Markets hit all-time highs seven out of 10 years. Never had three down years in a row under my watch. Won't happen in the long term. Buy low, sell high. I probably won't hear from him until the markets go down another 5%. And he'll send me his year-to-date returns. And it's just it's fascinating to me because he was one of my longtime program directors. Having done this for 25 years, having been right for 24 out of those 25 years. Um that be cool, relax. It's a buying opportunity. If you're not retired, and like CFP and I will talk about a lot in 2023, if you are retired, you better have had a plan. It doesn't feel good when I get an email from you that says, you know, I don't know how to take my 401k distributions this year with everything down. I feel like I'm selling too low. 
I'm like, you haven't listened, have you? Like, you certainly haven't followed any of the advice that has been given out about emergency funds. And again, should you take from an emergency fund to pay yourself in retirement instead of selling some 401k assets lower to generate income? You shouldn't even be involved in that problem. You should have three years of cash flow in retirement. Did he? Nope. Um, this isn't a joke. This is going to be okay. But for now, I think we need to, to lose some of our excesses and the excesses are everywhere. You probably know a friend or family member who you kind of knew for the last 25, 30 years was going to be eh, not that well off. And you've probably seen some of those people that you knew weren't going to add up to much in life, financially speaking, add up to way more than you thought because they took some speculation on real estate and some speculation on investing. Bitcoin didn't work out for anyone, anyone that I know of. I know no one that's like, oh, I'm so happy I own Bitcoin. People were speculating. Now, are there some stories that you'll see on Yahoo? Or USA Today? I don't know what people's news sources are these days. I feel a little out of touch. Or on TikTok. Hey, I'm a Bitcoin billionaire. Few and far between. But I can show you millionaires by the hundreds and thousands who do it through their 401k. So I don't have a lot of pity in a down year. I hate it. I hate looking at my net worth, and I do. Um, but the best thing you can do is be more like Warren Buffett. He once bet a hedge fund. The hedge fund said, I bet I could beat your returns over a 10-year period. And he goes, okay, well, I'll just put the money in the S&P 500, and we'll uh, figure out the returns after net of fees. So he even gave the hedge fund the opportunity to like run costs higher in order to take more risk. And the hedge fund lost. And the hedge fund basically bet on the top five hedge funds while he bet on the S&P 500. And over 10 years, he was right. The hedge fund lost. Hedge fund are smart, smart people. If you ever meet a hedge fund manager, you're going to be like, that guy's wearing a, a sweater vest without the arms. He must be smart. He's known he's smart enough to just put on a, a sweater that doesn't have sleeves. You can't beat the market. You can only be the market. But you can take individual stock risk. And I know that people want to, and I do too. Um, I'm fascinated by a future of Airbnbs versus hotels. I'm fascinated by what will Apple do to make Mark Zuckerberg and Meta look silly in the metaverse versus augmented reality. We should have that answer next year. S&P 500 is the largest weighting in the S&P 500 is Apple, and Apple is going to be introducing augmented reality glasses in 2023, and they'll probably start letting us know by May. And how will they start letting us know by May? Apple has an army of developers who make a lot of money creating apps for Apple. You've probably bought a couple of these apps. Like, I can't wait to get a meditation app. I don't know what it's going to be, but someone's working on it. And Apple will release to the World Web Developers Conference in spring of next year 
maybe the catalyst to send the market higher. Maybe it'll be the jobs report on Friday. Will the Fed pivot before Apple introduces something momentous? Keep in mind, our employment numbers aren't rotten, and we kind of want them to become rotten. I don't know. It's it's a lot to work on right now. What I'll throw down for you is be patient, have a plan, listen to some of the stuff we talk about on shows like this of an emergency fund or three years of income in retirement. It's not exactly rocket science getting through history, and the history is very positive for you in the long term. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 